Um, because we're in the playoffs, I just felt that it was right. This is going to be messy, you know that, right? Come on, baby. All right, here, here we go. We, we, we got um, Let's Go Heat Cup, all right, for you on time. And then we got our, 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 our dynamic three here. Um, we'll talk about Chris Bosh another time. But we got Dwayne Wade, we got LeBron James, and Chris Bosh. And, and I figured um, as we're having church, this is the closest we might get to the Miami Heat and to the three. So let's try to put them as close as they can to the anointing. Amen? Some of you guys didn't catch it, but, but we're praying that the anointing falls on them and that we have another championship here in Miami. And God's people say, glory, hallelujah. That was Bible. That was, that was good preaching. All right, here we go. As you notice, I have two cups here. And I'm going to cause some of you guys to drink some, some of this stuff here. But um, I want to talk to you really quick. And something I want to talk to you guys about is, um, has to do with vessels. And what a vessel is. And um, as I'm looking at my notes, I'm looking at here, I, I, I always do things so I don't forget. And one of my things in bold, I have this. Ready? And I want to stop really quick my message. And if I know it's recording, but it's weird, and I'm weird, so it's cool. But if you graduated this weekend, I know there's a couple of you guys here that graduated. I wrote that in my notes. Um, can we just honor you for a second and say thank you, Jesus? Can you stand up really quick if you graduated? If you graduated this weekend. Amen. 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 Praise God. Sophia, <laughs> amen, praise God, it, it, um, they studied hard, they worked hard, we keep praying for them, we love them, and um, that they will continue to do and, and do great things for the Lord, amen? Well, I want to talk to you guys real quick about vessels and, and what, what, what I'm, what I'm going to share with you, and I, and I brought this for a reason, to get a point across. Really, I'm not going to do too much because I don't want to make too much of a mess, but I think sometimes if you just have something standing in the front as a visual, away from the audio, you'll catch something within the visual and the audio together. So today I'm kind of going to talk to you, whether you're a visual learner or an audio learner, I'm praying that someone gets something out of today's message, Amen. And I want to talk about this vessel. What's a vessel? Well, when you look at a vessel, a vessel is a container. And it's a container which holds something in it. Okay, that's what a vessel is. Uh, for example, a boat. Boats are called vessels. People are inside the boats. And that's called a vessel. Um, um, cups are called vessels. You put water in a cup. And, 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 and this vessel holds something in it. And that's why it's a vessel. It holds something within it. So we could look at cups as vessels. And, and something that's also a vessel that we see in Scripture that you and I might say, hmm, is we are vessels. People are vessels as well, okay? And you might be like, well, well, what are you talking about? This might be a message that you've heard before. Cool, don't leave. Hear it again. Trust me, God might want to show you something new, all right? All right, good. Now, now, people are vessels as well. As a matter of fact, Paul talks about this right here. And he writes to the church in Corinth, and this is what Paul says. I like this. I like writing the Bible. Can I tell you why I like reading the Bible? I haven't read, read in it. I've read it. Want to know why I like reading the Bible? Because ordinary men inspired by God wrote the Bible. I like that. Because when I read the letters in the Bibles, the words in the Bibles, it's like I don't have to think like, whoa, that guy was like super holy, super awesome, and um, like I'll never become like that. No, when you start reading the Bible and you get to learn who some of these characters are, you kind of like something happens to you like, I could do that. I'm, I could do that. You know, like the whole walking on water. I'm going to try it this summer. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to come out of my, the boat and, not my boat, wish I had a boat, but I'll come out of the boat. And I'm going to try it. I'll probably sink, but we'll see what happens. I'll have faith. But Paul writes in 1 Corinthians, and, and here he talks about people being vessels. Check this out. 
It's chapter 6, verse 19, if you're taking notes, which you should be taking notes. As a matter of fact, that's 1 Corinthians, chapter 6, verse 19. And Paul says this, Do you not know that your body is a temple like that? Your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God. He says, you are not your own, for you were bought with a price. And I love this part. This is my favorite part of the verse. Ready? So glorify God in your body. Okay? Here's Paul writing in 1 Corinthians. And, and Paul is teaching us that our bodies are vessels. Look at that verse again. And you do not know that your body, we could, next to that word body, we could put that your, I mean, sorry, that your body is a temple. Next to that word temple, next to that word body, we could put that your vessel is a temple. That your vessel is a temple of the Holy Spirit. And then he goes on and says, so glorify God in the end in your vessel, in your body. And Paul is teaching us that our bodies are vessels. And if our bodies are a vessel, like this cup is a vessel, we need to understand this. It means but one thing. And what is that one thing? That we are meant to hold something inside. What good is this cup if there's nothing inside? It's just a dumb cup. The reason why you and I want cups is for what? So it could hold something inside so when we are in need, we could what? Take from what's inside. That's a whole preaching right there, but I don't want to get too deep into it. You guys get it? Because people want to take from you. But if there's nothing inside, what are you giving them that's going to nourish them? That's what I'm going to talk to you about today because some people give people this. That causes parasites. Oh, man, I knew I forgot something. Mm. I was going to bring a, a picture of one of my mission trips. I went to the Amazon. Literally, the Amazon. Like I'm, like, I'm not trying to be cute. I stayed in the water, in the boat, sleeping on hammocks. Like, it was weird. It was crazy. And I got bit all over, but whatever. And one of the coolest things, it's not cool actually, one of the saddest things, but it was cool to see God do a miracle, was this. We would go in and we would put, as we preached to them, an association that we were working with would plug in these filters. I think it was Joyce Meyer. And Joyce Meyer and her ministry was working and they would put in these filters that would make water that looked like this. And they would turn it and make it look like water like this. Now, these young kids in the Amazon that lived there, very primitive, what they would do was they would grab their cups and they would go to the water of the Amazon and they would just come down and grab some of the cup and what would come out of it was something that looked kind of like this. Dirty, filthy, rotten water. You know, this water, you guys will be amazed. In the, you're like, in the Amazon? Yeah. How did you shower? Everyone, you want to know the answer? We didn't. Didn't shower for a week. Actually, we jumped in the water. We came back on the boat. We threw ourselves with soap all over. We jumped back in the water. But it's funny because you're jumping back in the water which is dirty. So we just bathed because it was in our conscience to bathe. But really, once we took the soap off, we got dirty again. But watch this. These kids that drank out of the water from the Amazon, something happened to them. As they would drink this water, guess what would happen to them? They would get this thing called scapes. Am I saying it right, doctors? Scapes? And what it was was it was these things growing all over their skin, and, and they, would they would even grow worms in their bodies. Disgusting. Kids crying because they were in pain. I had a picture of one kid. You see scapes all over his hands and over his face. And he has two cups just like this. And he has them and he's smiling. 
That was an awesome miracle. Because he finally could go from drinking this water to not drinking this water. You see, right now, you could give me all the money that's in your pocket, and I'm not, I won't even drink this thing. I really won't, because if you know anything about me, I'm a germaphobe. I don't even like people drinking out of my cup, so I'll give it back to you. I'll be like, you can have it. Have the rest. Oh, you're such a nice person. Yeah. I don't even want no more. I just like that. That's me. It's personal. Marriage has worked with me, but... <laughs> but this cup, you don't have to pay me. Look, watch this. And, oh, by the way, this cup's from my house. That's the only reason why I'm drinking out of this cup. Because <laughs> if one of you brought this cup, I probably wouldn't drink out of it. But watch this. I'm a germaphobe. Sorry. But I wouldn't, it wouldn't take nothing of me to drink this. Now, Paul is writing to the church in Corinth, and he's teaching us we're vessels, and there's something in us, and we hold something inside, and we say, well, what is it? What do we hold inside? Because we all know the answer, right? We have organs and muscles and cells and fat and blood, and we've got all these things inside of us. But that's not what Paul is telling us in this verse that we hold inside. We hold something of more importance than all those things. And if you, as you look at 1 Corinthians, he's teaching us and he's telling us what it is. And he's saying this, our body is a temple. Now watch what he says. It is a vessel which holds in it the Holy Spirit. Everyone right there reads that verse and should and should do this. Whoa! Whoa, because, because you're telling me that this being who is really nothing, who is actually disgusting, that God, the third person of the Trinity, actually lives in me? And I say, absolutely, that's what Paul is saying. That in you lives God. And you're like, whoa. And, and I read that, and I'm like, man, i got to be careful what I do, what I see, how I act, how I live, because I have the living God dwelling in me. And that's what Paul is saying. You're a vessel. He's within us, and we have him who is from God, who is God. And due to that, look at 1 Corinthians 6.19. And due to that, that he's in us, this vessel now does not belong to me. Look what it says there. You are not your own. It doesn't belong to me. But then it goes on. It says, you were bought with a price. This vessel. And I look at this. And I think about a vessel, and I say, just like any ordinary vessel, just like anyone, they're bought. They're bought at a price. Some more expensive, some less expensive. Some are made out of crystals. Some are made out of diamonds. You've seen those cups with diamonds? We're not going to talk about that. Some are made out of glass. Some are made out of plastic. Every cup is different. Every cup has a price. And what is its purpose? To hold and to carry the load and to purposely hold something within it. And we, as individuals, were bought at a price to help carry a load and to hold something with one purpose. And this is what Paul says that purpose is. He says it's this, to glorify God in your vessel. That's cool. I am a vessel with one purpose. And my one purpose is Glorify God. Glorify God. That's why the vessels, that's what his purpose is for. So here, you and I are listening to this message, and we're vessels, we're bodies, we're, we're living beings meant to glorify God. Well, as we know that now, we have to start with one thing. Here it is. Start with a self-evaluation. And here it is. What substance do you hold inside? Can you self-evaluate yourself? What do you hold 
inside? Is the Holy Spirit in you? Watch this. Is he living and dwelling at the same time convicting and yet leading? At the same time, all these things that the Holy Spirit does where he comforts and he counsels all while he's correcting us. Is the Holy Spirit in you? Or, or, or are we rotten, filled with webs, stench of lies, hypocrisy, lust, jealousies, pride? Church, I need to make sure you catch this today. What substance, what's inside the person today? That's what I want to talk to you about today. What's inside? You know, Jesus had many encounters with different kinds of people. Some like this. Some like this. He had many encounters with people like this. As a matter of fact, some of the groups that he had encounters of, let's teach a little bit today. One was called scribes. Anyone know the second one? The other one was called Pharisees. And we have Sadducees. And Jesus had many encounters with these. And one day he had an encounter with some scribes and some Pharisees. And we probably know the scripture. Well, to know who these people were or to know what this encounter was about, you need to learn first who a scribe is. Let's go over this. The word scribe, it comes from the root meaning, that word scribe, of one who writes, where we get the word scribble or inscribe. So we get the word scribe, and, and, and their job, their occupation of this scribe was to make copies of official documents in the age where printing did not exist. They were the printing uh, uh, people of the day where they would write word by word things, and then the, 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 these New Testament scribes that Jesus would confront were a special group of Jewish leaders. Special group. Their, their primary duty was to study the law of Moses. And as they studied the law of Moses, they were to teach it to the people and they were to even help settle disputes involving questions of this law. They were highly regarded, very respected by the people, these scribes that Jesus was looking at. And then you have the next group, the Pharisees. Well, the Pharisees were also held in high esteem. Check this out. They were part of a group called the Sanhedrin. The Sanhedrin was a group of all these guys mixed up. About 70 of them together. They had priests there. They had Pharisees there. They had Sadducees there. It was a group of religious men in Israel that made up this, this special core group called the Sanhedrin. They were real big, all right? They were like, they're like, you can't mess with them kind of big. Okay, they're like a mafia almost, really. It's sad, but whatever. And these Pharisees among the Sadducees and these scribes and all these other guys within the Sanhedrin, they were the most respected out of all of them. They were the ones that really made the final decisions. The Pharisees. And they would make decisions regarding Israel and Israel's people, its people. They were respected and they were well supported by the people. They were religious men. Religious men. As a matter of fact, if you study the Pharisees, they accepted the word of God as being inspired by God. They were religious men. You know, I grab a scribe and I grab a Pharisee, and if I were to judge these guys today, I'd, I'd probably give them a thumbs up just by looking at them. I don't know about you. They're good men. They're religious men. They know the word of God. They do great things in the temple. They're in the house of God day in and day out. 
They're always in the house of God. I mean, they're worshiping, they're on their knees, they're throwing incense, they're cutting a lamb, they're sacrificing, they're, they're always doing something godly. I would automatically give them a pass to heaven if I was their judge. No questions asked. Hey, what do you think about that? That guy? Godly man, holy. I'll never be like him. But Jesus saw them differently, you know that? As a matter of fact, when Jesus looked at these guys, he didn't give them a thumbs up. He saw them different than the Jewish people saw them. As a matter of fact, Jesus would see them differently today in, the, in a way that we would see them if we were living with them today. Let's talk about this. If you're taking notes, Matthew chapter 23. In Matthew 23, Jesus speaking to the scribes and Pharisees, look what he says. Woe to you. Everyone say that. Doesn't that just sound bad? Like next time someone gets you mad, just look at them and say, woe to you. Just do that. Just mess with them. Mess with them. I promise you, they're going to look at you and say, does that mean? You know what that means. I'm going to do it today when I get home. How was church today? I'm going to look at my wife. You miss church? Woe to you. <laughs> She's taking care of the, the little legend. But, but woe to you. Just do it to someone. Here's Jesus, and he says, woe to you. you I mean, let me explain to you what this phrase means. Grief unto you, he tells them. Can you imagine that? You start talking to someone, and they're like, grief I wish upon you. And you're like, whoa, man, what the heck? Chill. Just calm down. Drink some tea, man. But look what Jesus says. Grief to you, you, you scribes and Pharisees. And then, like if grief to you wasn't enough, you were a bunch of what? He's screaming it to them. There's not a period there. There's not a comma there. There's not a dot, dot, dot there. Like, wait, I'm not done talking. There's an explanation point. I'm making a point, and you are a church. Yeah, hypocrite. And then he goes on, and look what he says next. For you are like whitewashed tombs. You outwardly appear beautiful, but within you are full of dead man's bones, dead people's bones. You are unclean. So you also outwardly appear righteous to others, but within you, you are full of hypocrisy. You know when Jesus is telling you something twice, he means it. And you are filled with lawlessness. You know that word lawlessness, that phrase? It almost, that phrase almost means this. You are in sin because of your ignorance. That's awesome. You look at this and say, Jesus, chill, man. What those guys do to you, man? Relax. You know, if you read verse 25 right before this, you know what Jesus tells them? Jesus is actually real cool the way he says things. He says, you guys are like a, like a cup. You're all beautiful. I know this cup's not that beautiful. It's scratched up, but the name is beautiful. All right, but, but you're all beautiful in the outside. But inside, inside, man, you, in the outside, you're all beautiful, man, and Everyone thinks you're perfect and you're great and you're holy and you're pretty awesome religious man. You know the word of God. As a matter of fact, you judge people according to the word of God. But man, when I, when I stick my hand deep inside your heart and in who you really are and I take out who you really are and no one can look at your outside anymore and I remove your outside, inside you are so nasty and rotten and picked out, it's not even funny. And then he's like, well, what do you mean? What do you mean? Like what? She's like, like what? You're like, um, like a whitewashed tomb. You know what that is? Yeah, they're beautiful. I mean, they're polished. Have you ever seen, have you ever been to a funeral? You've seen those caskets, man? Thousands of dollars, man. Beautiful, they're polished and curved and according to the size of people. He goes, yeah, yeah, but you're, not, you're missing it. You're like these tombs that are beautiful in the outward, but when you open them, you're filled with dead man's bones. You know what happens when you open a casket, don't you, church? It smells nasty inside. 
Because that's what you're like. You're hypocrites. You're unclean. All your ways are in sin because you're ignorant. That's lawlessness, the definition of lawlessness. You might look beautiful in the outward, but really, when you're fooling everyone, hey guys, look how awesome I am, let's go, he, let's go, okay? But really, when I look inside of you, when I look inside of you, you're, you're, you're pretty disgusting to even look at. You're fooling everyone in the outside, but the person that really knows you in the inside, you ain't fooling him, Jesus is saying. This is good stuff. And, and Jesus is making a, a, a massive point here. And this is interesting because these were considered men of God. These were considered, check this out, these were considered vessels of God. Pharisees and scribes were godly people according to the Jewish people. Which were looked at as men who held something inside, something spiritual. They held scriptures and the law inside of them. They were seen as men who had God inside of them. That's what they were like. But not Jesus. Instead, Jesus says, outwardly, you, you play the part. You are beautiful. But inwardly, you're rotting, dead man's bones, dead, unclean. You are lawlessness, sin. You're ignorant. You're like whitewashed tombs. You're pretty stinky. You're filled with death when I really take everything out of you. Death. So what must we learn here? This is good. This is what we must learn. What matters, listen, church, because you need to catch this. What matters is not the outside of the cup. What matters is not the outside of the cup. Because you can fool everyone and say, what a beautiful cup. What a beautiful vessel. And what matters is not the outside. But really, church, it's what's in the inside that matters. And we need to catch that today. You know, some of you are mean, man, because you're looking at me and you're waiting for me to drop this glass cup, aren't you? <laughs> I see it in your faces. Every time I do that, you go... I saw it. I just caught like 10 of you do it. Right now, when I went like that, 10 of your heads went. <laughs> we still have about 20 more minutes. <laughs> you, know, I, my wife, you know what I did, right? Love. What, Regal? The baby's on top of her. She's exhausted. She hasn't slept. I'm like, can I take two glass cups to church? She didn't even ask. She was like, okay. I was like, bye. Because <laughs> I know what happens. She starts thinking, as a matter of fact, don't take it. <laughs> but she didn't think hard enough. She was too exhausted. But watch this. It's the inside that matters, church. It's the inside. We're vessels. We're vessels. Listen. What good is it for the vessel to appear beautiful outwardly? But the content that's inside of it. Yeah, we're beautiful. But the content that's inside contains filth, it's rotten. What good is it? What good is it? Because if I ask one of you guys, hey, any of you are thirsty? Some of you might be saying, all right, awesome, man, here's a cup of water. And you're like, man, Rico's a nice guy, man. In the middle of his service, he just gave us water. He served us water. How cool is that? What church has ever served you water in the middle of a preaching? And I come, and you look at it, and you're about to drink it. Next thing you're like, yeah, there's something wrong with this water. You scoop it out, and then you realize that what I really gave you was filth, rotten water. How would you feel? Check this out. This vessel, when it contains this inside of it, the truth is, this vessel becomes of no use. What good is a vessel which is rotten and filth? So we must learn this, that our true value is not what we appear outwardly, 
but our true value is who we are inwardly. And we need to catch that, church. Because I hung out with some friends, and, and we were just talking about faith and the Bible this weekend. And we were just talking about God stuff, you know, those things that Christians do over dinner. And as we were talking about this stuff, I started to realize how I, maybe even us, at least me, I know that, and many other Christians have done a bad job preaching this message. That we want to make sure that our churches look beautiful outwardly, but we're not really paying attention how nasty they are inwardly. And I want to make sure that you understand that your true value is not of how gorgeous and how awesome and how perfect everything's going in the outward. Because really deep down inside, where you know it's rotten, where you know it smells, where you know there's hurt, where you know there's pain, where you know there's misery, where you know there's darkness, where you know there's sin, God knows that. And he says, I know your outward looks all beautiful and gorgeous and giggly, but inside of you, I know what's really in there. And that's the question I asked the church today. What holds inside of you do you hold something that is pure or something that is rotten let me tell you why because whatever is rotten is of no use but whatever is pure could be used greatly to fill someone who is thirsty who is void who needs help who needs life and i'm asking the church today who are we today and do we understand our value this is our value and we got to catch who we are who we are when no one is watching. Who we are when no one is able to read our thoughts. Who we are. The true value of a person is who they are in the secret, not who they display themselves to be in the public and in the open. Because I do a good job with displaying myself in the public. Can I be transparent? Because I'm a pastor. And I do real good at it. There's Sundays that I come in here and I'm like, God is good. Yeah. But inside... Sometimes there's days I say that I don't even believe it. Oh, my God, I'm going to find me another church. Don't. We're being real here. Stay. Stay here. I'm, not, I'm trying to be honest with you guys. Let's be honest. Let's be honest here. And, and we look at this scripture, and who are we in the secret? Who are we when no one's looking? And stop worrying about displaying ourselves in the open, in the public. I've seen and I've heard so many lies. Oh, well, this, is, this is what really happened. Or this is where I really was. Or, or this is what I really said. Or, or this, is what I really, this is what I really meant. Shh. Be honest with yourself. Who are you, man? Who are you, girl? Who are you, church? Can we just be honest and say, mm, I'm beautiful outwardly, but Pastor Rigo, I'm not going to lie anymore today. I'm going to come before God because I have a secret. I, man, I didn't know how I was going to use that today in my message, but there it is. And I want that secret to come out. Because I want to deal with what's really in there. And I want to put what the Holy Spirit wants to do inside already. And I want to be a vessel that just doesn't look beautiful outwardly. Robert, chill. I'm not going to drop it. But I want to be someone that is really pure inwardly as well. I hope that ministers to you. This is who God called us to be. Matthew chapter 6, check this out. Matthew 6, this is cool. Why? Why is this cool? Because here were the scribes and Pharisees, and they're like, this is who we are, this is who we are, this is who we are. Ooh, everyone drink from us. We're so beautiful, gorgeous, kind, great people, no men of God. And Jesus is like, no, you're not. We know who you really are. This is who you really are. And, 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 and this is, sometimes it's not just the Pharisees and the scribes. Sometimes it's me, Regal. Sometimes it's me, Pastor. Sometimes it's you, Christian. Sometimes it's us. Can we just be honest? And here's Matthew chapter 6. 
And, and you can understand why Jesus says things like this. Matt, I don't know if you have Matthew 6. In verses 2, 3, and 4. All right, I'll read it. It says this. So when you give to the needy, they're doing a good job. Though. We love them. Sound the trumpet before. Do not sound. Amen. All right. Look at the words of Jesus. When you give to the needy, do not sound the trumpet before you as hypocrites do in the synagogues or in the streets that they may be praised by others. Look at Jesus' words. But I say to you, they, trust me, trust me, they have received the reward. Check out verse 3. But when you give to the needy, don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing so that your giving may be done in secret and your father who sees in secret will what? Who are you fooling? Jesus' very own words. He's like, I know the inside. Christ is like, I know who you really are. I know it. I know who you really are. I get you. I understand you. Don't try to be someone so that others think that you are a certain way while everyone is looking at you. And there you are in the public and, and everyone's looking at you and you're trying to be a certain way because that's all they have to judge you. You know, you and I, the way we judge each other is in the public and is in the open. I might hang out with one of you and say, go home and my wife say, man, that was an awesome person, wasn't it? I'm so glad God added them to our church. And a month from now, when we start seeing the earworm come out, like, oh God, maybe they were in another church. Maybe they picked the wrong church. Okay, because I'm playing. Everyone's welcome. But, <laughs> smile. Okay, but the truth is, the truth is this. The truth is, we could fool everyone in the outward, and that's all the public has to judge us by, by what's in the outward. That's a nice person. They play the nice instruments. Woo, did you see that guy play the piano? Woo, did you see that guy play the drums? Wow, did you see that girl lead? Did you hear this guy preach? And in the public and in the open, that's how people, that's the only way that people could judge us. And that's cool, I guess, whatever. But here's Jesus, and he's like, but me, I instead look at you in the secret moments because that's where your true self is revealed, and that's where I judge you in your secret that's why he says that verse and i who see in the secret rewards you in the public that's what christ is saying here he's telling us i know your secrets how many of you have a secret don't this is like rhetorical don't don't answer but how many of you have secrets i know i do i know i do i have a secret and he's telling us i know your secret regal I know your secret new life and every person that's sitting in these chairs today. And it's so awesome because if our secrets are honorable, then in that secret, he finds value in us. He rewards us openly. And if not, scripture calls us, we're dishonorable. So who are you really, church? Because we try to maintain, we try to look so beautiful and we try to feel right all the time. But who really are we? Who are we? When we become more aware of making the outside look better than the inside and what's in the inside, I need you to catch this. We then are in danger of becoming religious. We then are in danger of becoming superficial. We become more concerned with how we look and how others see us than who we really are and how the Lord sees us. When we start worrying about the outward more than the inward. Paul writes to Timothy in 2 Timothy, and Paul says this, you know, there's a rich man, there's a great house. Whenever God says there's a great house, that means there's a rich guy that lives in that great house, okay? There's a great house. Look at verse 20 and 21. And there are not only vessels of gold and silver, look at this, but there are also vessels of... You're messing with me today, man. All right, I love you, man. There are not vessels of gold and silver, but also of wood and clay. 
And there are some for honorable use, and there are some for dishonorable. Verse 21, therefore, if anyone cleanses himself from what is dishonorable, he will be a vessel for honorable use. He will be set apart as holy. He will be what? Useful to the master of the house. Ready for every good work. The NLT, a little bit more watered down, says it this way. In a wealthy house, some utensils are made of gold and silver. Some are made of wood and clay. Listen, the expensive utensils are used for a special occasion, and the cheap ones are for everyday use. I know this in the last month. People have visited my house. I Forgive me if you have, but like we've been washing a lot of stuff. As I'm at, no lie, true story. You want to laugh? They put a note. <laughs> this is a true story. They put a note on Thursday night on our door. I opened the door for someone that was coming to visit one of their visiting hours, and my paper fell, and I said, what the heck is that? Someone's leaving love letters here in my house? What's going on here? So I picked it up, and I opened it, and it's a letter from my association. Check this out. True story. And it says, dear house, whatever, of 7064B, my house unit number. He says, this is to let you know that tomorrow from 9 a.m. to 12, we're going to have some men come into your house because it's been registered that you're spending, you're wasting too much, because I don't pay for water. They do. So you've been um, wasting too much water, and we got to come to make sure that all the plumbing is done right. If someone is not there from 9 to 12 to open up the door, we will bring it. This is not, I should have brought the letter. We will bring a locksmith and he will open it and we will charge it unto you because you went, What? You're gonna tell me a couple hours before this happens? I got so mad. We're gonna do something about this, man. And we didn't do anything, but whatever. The guys come, they checked up our whole house, they flushed all the toilets, they looked at all the pipes. This unit is spending too much money. I was like, You should see how many visitors we have coming. We've been washing so many dishes. We didn't tell them that. So what we did was, me and Nancy, to solve the problem, if you've been to my house in the last month, we've been just giving paper plates and paper cups. <laughs> what do I do with this? Throw it away. You don't want me to wash it? Throw it away because uh, too much washing dishes. Throw it away. How about knives and forks? The plastic ones. Get it off. Throw it away. Okay. <laughs> solve the problem, bro. The bill's going to come down now. So this is what Paul is saying here. Special utensils are used for honorable use. Not that you guys were not honorable. But there he says, your life will be clean. You'll be ready for the master to use you for every good work. I'm almost done, actually, with my message. I want to be a vessel of honorable use. What? Are we, what, 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 are you, what are you preaching? Yandy, can I use you? I don't know why I'm using you. <laughs> this might be... This might blow up in my face, man. <laughs> oh, I drank out of this cup. I'm not sure if <laughs> <laughs> Sit down for a second. Just because I'm a married man, I'm going to do this the right way. Lou, can you come up here? You, are you mind drinking us? <laughs> I should have called Rue. <laughs> Looking all cute today, man. <laughs> If I say, Lou, cheers, brother. It's water, too, so cheers. You can cheer on water. And I say, Lou, um, you're thirsty. You see that cup. And we cheer on it. And it becomes a valuable use to Lou. Because I'll, I'll explain it to you. Lou, just enjoy it, man. Enjoy the content of what's inside. Pick Don't drink it all because I'm thirsty. I have some water. Okay. Amen. See? The cup was of valuable use. Come on, Luke, God's going to use you, man. I promise if you do it. 
but it becomes a valuable use. Watch. Someone was able to drink out of this cup. Because not only did the outside look beautiful, okay? Not only the outside. But the content that it held inside was so useful that it was able to fulfill the need that the person that needed that vessel to minister them to could take in from that person. So they said, listen, I know your life is not all together. I know there's days you get chipped. I know there's days on the outside you get dirty. But I know that when I need to, man, I could pour what's inside of you. And I could myself, I think you drank from that side, right? <laughs> and I myself could take in from you. But hold this for a second. Now, Lou comes in, he says, I'm thirsty. And I says, well, drink from the cup, man. And he looked at that cup, and you should see what he said to me as soon as he walked in. He was like, I ain't drinking from that cup. <laughs> Come on, Lou. What's your first reaction to it? Don't do it, bro. <laughs> <laughs> he wasn't going to do it. Lou would look at this and say, you're crazy. Get that cup out of my face. That's an insult to me. It's an insult. What happened was he had a need. And in the middle of his need, he needed to be filled. That need needed to be touched. And here we are, vessels, you and I, the church. We have the answer. You know, you've ever done that? I don't have the answer. Yes, you do have the answer. His name is Jesus Christ. And someone comes in to drink from your cup. My question to you is, what do they receive from your cup? Are you a vessel of honor or are you a vessel of dishonor? Because this cup has no use. No use. I'm going to share one story and I'm done with my message. His name is Naaman. Amen. His name is Naaman, and I'm going to ask maybe Tito just to come up here. Actually, let's get the worship team up here really quick. Turn to 2 Kings. I want to share some scripture with you. Naaman was a special man. Let me explain to you who Naaman was. Once you turn to 2 Kings chapter 5, just give me an amen and I'll start. Anyone else? Give you some time to get there. Amen in the back. Anyone else? All right. For four of you that have your Bibles, here we go. In 2 Kings chapter 5, we hear about a story named Naaman. And here's what the Lord spoke to my heart. Let's read. Verse 1. And then I'll just go on. It says, Naaman, who was the commander of the army of the king of Syria. He was a great man. I underlined that in my notes. I think it's underlined there too. He was a great man and he had high favor. That's the next thing I underlined. Because by him, the Lord had given victory. He was a mighty man of valor. Look at all these great words to describe to him. Ain't that awesome? Good man, great man, high man, highly favored, man of valor, man of God. And I love this part, ready? But he was a leper. You guys catch that? But he was a leper. Now, I read this and I'm like, something doesn't make sense here. Have you ever read the Bible like that? 
Naaman, commander, highly, highly favored, great man, mighty man, valor, comma, but he was a leper. Like that, that doesn't make sense. You're honoring him, but you just brought him back down. He's a leper. All that good stuff. Yay, hallelujah. But wait a minute. It kind of sucks. He's a leper. Low blow, man. You couldn't just skip that part. You're talking so good about him. But there's a reason why that's in the Bible. Everything that's in the scriptures is there for a purpose. You know why I like this? I like this because this is what I'm about to share with you. You can be a lot of great things, but yet be a sinner. Naaman was a leper. Let me tell you what a leper was. A leper was unclean. From an Israel point of view, they were the scum of the earth. And here is Naaman, guys. And Naaman is great, mighty, highly favored. And we could look at our lives and people's lives and we could say, wow, look how successful they are. And look at the great family they have. And they could be praised for their achievements. They give money to charity. They're at the top of the class, but still a leper. And I could say and tell a lot of great things outwardly about you and what you are and what you do here. And a lot of great things outwardly about me and about us and who we are. But what good is it if at the end of all this recognition, it says, but you're a leper. Because to be honest with you, if I was naming, and you're about to call me up to preach, and he said, today we have a speaker. His name is Naaman, and he's a great man, mighty man of valor. He's a commander of the army. He's highly favored. Everyone get ready. As we call up Naaman, and Naaman takes his stage up here, and he comes up to preach to the multitudes, and then in the midst of introduction of, wow, what an amazing man of God. The person introducing him after everything comes down, he says, but he's a leper. And everyone, yeah, too. Ugh. That's not cool. You lost me at leper. You lost me at leprosy. I forgot, what was he again? Highly what? Great what? I lost all that because you just told me he was a leper. And if you're a Jew, as soon as someone told you a leper, you forgot about all the recognition before that word. And I rather, I, I, I mean, I, I would not want to be called up on stage, say, well, look at him. He's a great this and awesome this. And this is what he's done for God. Da, da, da. And at the end, but he's a leper. What good are all these accomplishments? What good are all these great things outwardly that we could boast about when inwardly there's only one thing that really matters and that's that you're a leper? Because that's what really mattered to Naaman. Because if you really read the Bible right, it wasn't about him being a great man. It wasn't about him being a commander. I need you to catch this. It wasn't about him being a, a highly favored dude. You want to know what this scripture is really all about? About him being a leper. We just read the Bible wrong sometimes. It's okay, we're learning. I'm learning, trust me, every day. It's about him being a leper. And what mattered here in Naaman's life was not all the outward praise. Oh, Naaman! Woo! So awesome! Naaman! 
really mattered was when you looked inside, oh, Naaman, so disgusting, you're sick, you're sick. What really mattered was not the praise that was listed, listen, but it was the inward sickness that was revealed, that he was a leper. And like Naaman, this great man, highly favored, mighty man of valor, but with leprosy. All of those achievements that I just talked to you about, about Naaman, is useless. Because what good is it if he really is a mighty man of valor? What good is it really if he was a great commander? What good is it really, okay, really, if he was highly favored? What good? When at the end of that statement, I just tell you, He's a leper. What good is it? What good is it? What value does it have? Because when you study leprosy in the Bible, it represents our sin. It represents our inward infection. And while like Naaman and the Pharisees of the New Testament, we try to build and we try to show this beautiful outward appearance, everyone look, I'm Naaman, I'm an amazing man, a commander of the armies, I'm, I'm highly favored, I'm a man of value, look at me, I'm a Pharisee, I study in the temples, I preach in the temples, I know every single word of the law by memory, by the way, and I judge all the laws of Israel and the people of Israel. I'm a Pharisee, baby. I am Naaman, baby. This is who I am. And like Naaman and like the Pharisees were all these great things. But here is my question to you. Like Naaman and like Pharisee, as we try to build and show our outward perfection. Can we be honest? Is there a secret in you? I got to show Jesus already. My inward infection I'm tired of appearing perfect I'm tired I want to deal with the truth my inward infection and I want the Lord to pour in me his spirit where it fills me with purity, holiness, righteousness. Some of you guys have things inside of you that are eating you up. Sin. Problems at home. Problems with sin. Problems with people. Problems with this church. I don't know. Problems with me. Problems with them. Problems with the person next to you. Problem, 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 problem. Problems are everywhere. You get in your car, there's a problem. The sun's too bright. It's hitting your eye. That's a big problem. And your, your whole world falls apart because it's too much of a problem for you to handle. And oh my gosh, everything's a problem. You have a problem. I'm allowed to spill. I'm not allowed to break. Let the Lord fill you. I'm coming out with my secret. That's scary in today's day. Coming out. I'm coming out. And it's I need to be pure. I need to be right. I need to be made correct. 
I'm tired of showing outward perfection when inward there's an infection going on. I have a secret and I need God to know I need your Holy Spirit who is water to my soul to make me whole again. I'm tired of living this way. Fill me to the brim, oh God. I need that in me, Lord. Fill me now, Jesus. I'm tired of living in a lie. I'm tired of living in filth. I'm tired of living rotten. I'm tired of living in disgust. I'm tired of living in impurities. I'm tired of living as a leper. I want to be made right. I have a secret and everything that's in me needs to go. I have a secret. tired of making myself look one way when really I'm another way I don't want these things to minister to me anymore I'm tired of that life this is what I long for that what comes out of me is pure we have an awesome ushers team it's pure You want to know how pure this is? Man, that's good water. Wow, man. I'm going to skip a bunch of verses. Summary. Name is a leper. He needs to be made pure. Well, they kidnapped a girl from, from Israel. And she comes and she says, I know your husband's very sick. I think I know how he could get healed. I know a prophet in Israel. Can we take a field trip? His name is Elisha. I've seen him do this before. He's pretty awesome. He could heal him from his sickness. I heard he wants to deal with his little secret of a leper. He can't hold it no more. Elisha finds out, says, show me where this name and finds out. Show me where Elisha is. He goes to Elisha's house in Israel. He takes a field trip. He knocks at his door. Who rings? It is I, Naaman of Syria. Commander of Syria, great, highly favored man of God. Here I am. It's I, Elisha. Come and do a miracle unto me. And Elisha says, hold on one second, please. <laughs> Calls his servant. He says, hey, go take care of this guy, man. He's kind of prideful. I don't want to deal with that guy. So his servant comes out, opens the door, and Naaman says, what's your name? He says, I'm the servant of Elisha. He goes, I don't want you. I want your master. Where's Elisha, the one that could heal me? He said, I got a word from him. He says, Elisha says this. Go wash yourself in the Jordan seven times and your flesh will be restored and you will be clean. You'll be clean. But Naaman was like, no. Scripture says here that he was angry and he said this, I thought that he would surely come out to me. Me. Why? Because sometimes we think we're the greatest gift on earth. 
How can you not want to hang out with me? How can you not want to date me? How can you not want to hire me? How can, how can, how can, how me, me? Sometimes we think we're the greatest thing in this earth and to ourselves. To our very own lives. I'm so angry. How come he can't come to me? Who does he think he is, this Elisha fellow? So now he gets mad. I should have just stayed in my hometown. The waters over there are better than the waters of Israel anywhere. I'm not going to go in that nasty water. Ugh. I should have just stayed home. I can't believe I made this trip over here. I love what happens next as I end. Here it is. His servants come up to him and they say, Hey, did you not hear the prophet? He didn't say that you might get clean. He said, Go wash and you will be clean. What are you thinking? What are you, what are you doing? Shut up. Go. He's going to heal you, man. And look what they ask him. Will you not do it, Naaman? We just came on this trip with you. You better get in that water, Naaman. Will you not do it? That's their exact words. What happens here was this. You saw Naaman's sickness, church. Come on, catch this. I'm ending. I promise I'm done. You saw Naaman's sickness. He couldn't hear God's word. He couldn't hear God's command properly because his ears were clogged with self-righteousness, with the I am too good attitude sickness. I should have stayed home. The waters are better. Who does he think he is anyways? And then the servants were like, shut up. Did you not hear him? Go do it. Are you not going to do this? Let me tell you something. The worst feeling of your life can also be this, at the same time the greatest moment of your life. Huh? What do you mean? The moment where you think, well, I'm great. And I'm highly favored. And I'm highly, mighty victorious. I have success on every side. All sides of me. But then right then and there, standing before God's word and standing before God, you start to realize that you are nothing and that you're nothing too great, that you're just a leper who needs Jesus standing before the command of God, the prophet of God, and I just need help. And you notice that right then and there, that all of your achievements, that all of your success before Elisha and before his command are as of nothing because not even he comes out to even say hi to you. What an awakening. The worst day of your life could also be the best day of your life. Because when you come to that understanding, it's the greatest moment. Because it's the moment where he heals the inside, where the inward disgust of all that success and fame and fun and excitement and money and smiles have been trying to hide. You know what I'm talking about? You guys have been trying so hard to hide everything that's really going on in there. Anyone in here hide stuff? And all that stuff that you hide it with, it's where the inside of the cup gets cleaned first so that right then and there, the outside of the cup can also be clean. You worry so much about looking right and feeling right and doing right when inside you're rotting and you need help and you need hope and right there standing before God is where you realize if I just pay attention to what's inside first, then outside I'll even be a greater person than what I display. I'll be greater. Christ. Christ is not in the business in healing our outside first. He wants to heal us inwardly and then outwards would follow. So church, come before him today. Come before him with what's inside. Come before him today with the real problem. Listen. Come, and come before him today 
with the secret. And he'll take care of that. He'll take care of the inside. He'll take care of the real problem. And then he'll take care of everything else that's outside. You guys know what I mean. Because I've prayed prayers before. And I've prayed for the outside. Lord, heal the marriage. Lord, heal my nephew. Lord, touch this person. Lord, let me... Lord, and everything I pray for is in the outside. And I have to stop and say, wait a minute. The answer to all those things outwardly is when I first begin to deal with what's inwardly. The secret. The real problem. It's not, Lord, heal my brother because I can't stand looking at him. It's, Lord, heal my heart so when I see him, I love him. That's the difference of our prayers. I can say that because he knows I love him to death. That's the answer. That's the prayer. We don't pray, Lord, help my cousin because I can't. No, no, it's Lord, heal me so that I could serve him better. When you deal with the inward, I promise you, the outward becomes so much easier. We're just praying it wrong. We're just seeing it wrong. Can we sing the name of Jesus is lifted high? Revival fire is coming. Can we stand up?